Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. I'm sorry, that sound uh, is what played before we go to the Chief Justice of the Minnesota Supreme Court? That's the... Chief Justice Natalie Hudson, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This is how we we bring you onto the show? It's ridiculous. (laughs) It's memorable. I will remember this. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's so good to have you on uh, the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline here on WCCO Radio. Natalie uh, Hudson the new chief justice of the Minnesota Supreme Court. I don't know. Are you still new? It's, it's been a couple months now. It, it's been three months. I, I, I feel uh, still fairly new. But, yes, I was uh, officially sworn in on October 2nd. So, yeah, so it's been three months. And, uh, but it's been a, a very good uh, three months, a full three months. That's for, for certain. It has been eventful. And we had this uh, interview set up a couple of weeks ago. We did not know that news would break that fellow uh, Minnesota Supreme Court Justice G. Barry Anderson was going to announce that he was retiring in May. We knew he was retiring because the mandatory retirement age of 70 was was, uh, near. Uh, But I just uh, wondered your thoughts on, uh, you know, you've served with uh, Justice Anderson for a while. Yes, I have. I actually served with Justice Anderson in two capacities. We've served uh, for the last uh, eight and a half, almost nine years that I've been on the Supreme Court, so I've served with him here. And But Justice Anderson were also colleagues, and uh, he was on the, the Court of Appeals, where I also served for, for many years. But, um, but yes, Justice Anderson um, will be retiring in May, and he has served the Supreme Court uh, ably, uh, more than ably, for the last 20 years. Um, and he has just been a, an outstanding jurist, uh, just a gifted jurist. And he, we will certainly miss his wisdom and his wit. Um, and he, he's a carrier of much knowledge, having been on the, the court, yeah. institutional knowledge, having been on the court for 20 years. So he will be missed. But um, we, we really thank him for his tremendous service to the judicial branch. Chief Justice Natalie Hudson for the Minnesota Supreme Court with us. Do do you, you know, the media and the reporting of this has made much of the fact that uh, Justice Anderson was the last Republican appointee to the Minnesota Supreme Court. So his replacement will be appointed by uh, Governor Walls, and it will be all justices appointed by DFL governors in this state. Does that concern you that all of you are appointed by, uh, you know, governors of the same party? It, it doesn't, uh, Jason, for, for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, I, I think it, it assumes and misapprehends, if you will, how we actually do our work as justices. We are not uh, Democratic justices. We're not Republican justices. Um, we, we take a constitutional oath to uphold the rule of law, and we strive our very, very best to do that in a nonpartisan fashion so that, you know, we're, we are applying the law to the facts as best we understand it. Um, we also have an abiding uh, belief in the precedent of, of our, uh, our court. 
And so we respect the court as as a nonpartisan institution, and I know I speak for all of my colleagues when I say that. And the other thing I would point to, that we have historically done so, uh, regardless of the composition of the court, is reflected in, in our unanimity rate, what we call our unanimity rate. If you look back at the history of the court, you will see that we are unanimous almost 70% of the time, regardless of party affiliation or who appoints us, what governor appointed us. And what I think that says to people or should say to people and give people confidence in is the fact that this is a court that has a long history of debating in conference in good faith as justices and not as justices of a particular uh, a governor. And, and so we work very hard to try to come together uh, when we are deciding cases. Well, and your, your, your court here in Minnesota has been very successful at that. I think if you ask most Minnesotans Absolutely. what they think about the Supreme Court, they don't think of it as a partisan court. That is very different from how people feel about the United States Supreme Court. And certainly when you look at what's been going on in our, our neighbor to the east, and a lot of our listeners are from Wisconsin, their elections certainly for their state Supreme Court are unbelievably partisan. And, and, and we recognize that, Jason, and that is uh, by design, if you will. We work hard at that. We, we value the nonpartisan um, uh, relationships we have amongst each other, and we value court as a nonpartisan institution, and we work hard at that. And yeah. a, a piece of that is— How do you keep um, it? How do you keep it best- that way? So, so, we, well, so you don't have some of the same issues. You know, I—, I I am saddened by the fact that that so many Americans have such a poor opinion of the United States Supreme Court because of the partisan nature of the divide in in most of the decisions, it seems. Yeah, yeah. No, I I, I think that that holds true for many people. But we we do that in a number of ways. One is just a commitment to collegiality here on the court and to being willing to listen to the other person's position and to hear people out and being willing to change mind if you've heard something that that is persuasive. But on the other other the other piece of that is we've worked hard here in more in Minnesota to keep sort of the big big money out of our judicial races and so um my colleagues and I um I don't know of a colleague on my court or in historically that has accepted for instance money from a particular uh political party for our campaigns and that's done by you know that's done intentionally because once you accept that kind of money um, you become beholden, if you will, or at least there's the appearance that you are. And so we, we, we strive to put those kinds of things in place. And we rely actually on programs like you're doing here just now, but also other members of the, the media and the public and lawyers to also be champions of um, a nonpartisan uh, judicial uh, branch. We need help in, in getting that message out that, that you don't want someone on the bench who's already predecided how they're going to rule on a particular matter. Um, and so that message has to, to come from a, a number of groups. And I think we've been very successful or relatively successful in doing that here in Minnesota. But it's, it's a constant, uh, we have to stay at it. We, yeah, we, we yeah. cannot uh, it's important, you know, I think. become lax. Right. It is. It's, it's critical. Yeah. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Justice uh, Natalie Hudson with us, Chief Justice of the Minnesota Supreme Court. Do you think, uh, you know, you are, what, four years away from the mandatory retirement age? Does it? Correct, correct. Does it, less than that, sh- yeah. Should we, still, should we still have a mandatory retirement age of 70 for Minnesota Supreme Court justices? Wow. Well, you know, that's a legislative determination, and I think that's a discussion that is worth having. Um, and, um, you know, certainly I think uh, people are living longer now and living very vital lives, and, and 70 to some extent is an arbitrary number. Um, but uh, but that's a legislative decision to be made, and I think, um, you know, all the various interest groups should come together and have that discussion about whether that, that is the, the proper age. And so I'll leave that to others, but I think it's certainly a discussion worth having. It's, it's I think we kind of hear how, we, we kind of hear how you feel about it, uh, Chief Justice. Like, I do think <laughs> it's interesting. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of debate about the presidential candidates and their ages, and you're looking at President Correct. Biden. Uh, turning, Correct. you know, he's 81 and uh, pre- uh, former President Donald Trump will be 78. And, you know, uh, to me, that's to be the president that feels a little old. But when you look at the demand of being a chief justice, I think I, I don't know. I'm just or, or, or uh, a regular justice. I'm not sure 70 makes sense. You're not flying an airplane. You're not, you know what I mean? It's like it's <laughs> that's true. When you think that's of another true. profession with a mandatory retirement age. Correct. Correct. You know, there, there, there are things to be said on both sides of that. Right. Jason, For sure. Uh, Chief Justice Natalie Hudson with us. I find your history uh, interesting and your family history uh, because you, you know, you started as, uh, you know, an attorney helping out poor people with housing issues and worked at uh, Hamlin University, and you've done, uh, you know, the office of the attorney general. You've done all these different things. And then uh, your husband was a, a former police officer, right? That's correct. He uh, was a patrol officer for the city of St. Paul for almost 15 years. Does that life correct. experience that you bring around law enforcement, around justice, around people, uh, who maybe are are the people who need uh, the help of the law and of of the community. I mean, does that shape what you do and the questions you ask on the bench? Oh, I think it absolutely does. I, I think, and that's true for I think all justices. Um, we are all a, a product of um, our upbringing and our life experiences. Uh, we bring that to the the bench as we consider the the very difficult issues that that come before us. And I think that's part of the reason why you want a diverse bench, particularly on an an appellate court of last resort, which is what our court is. You want those different uh, life experiences and work experiences to come to bear because it will 
uh, color in some ways the questions that you ask because you have different life experiences. And so I think that is vital and critical to an appellate court so that all of those um, experiences and, and, and lived experiences can come to bear um, as the court deliberates um, the issues that come before it. And so that's why diversity is so important on a court. Yeah, it's not. I mean, obviously, your uh, racial diversity as the first uh, woman of color, first person of color as chief justice on the Supreme Court has been a story. But you bring up all the different sorts of diversity that make a difference on the court. Absolutely. I think there's all kinds of diversity. Uh, race is certainly one, but gender, um, uh, you, know, ab- ab- you know, ableism or able being able-bodied or not, um, practice diversity. Um, I think one of the greatest contributions that Thurgood Marshall made actually to the U.S. Supreme Court uh, beyond uh, his race was the fact that he was the only justice uh, that had a background in poverty law. Mm, Um, And he brought that to the court. And so practice diversity is important. Um, It's important that you have geographical uh, diversity. Uh, One of the justices on our court um, uh, comes from outstate Minnesota, and I think that is so important, again, to to the work that comes before the court. So we have that, that perspective as well. Um, you just need to see the court being reflective of the of the people that it serves. What's and, been and what's that's important? What's been your favorite moment before we let you go, Chief Justice Natalie Hudson? What's been the best part, your favorite moment so far of being the Chief Justice? Working with just such incredibly talented people. One of you know, as an associate justice, you don't always get to see and work with as. Um, many people within the branch as you do as chief justice. And um, you, so you don't really have the same appreciation that I've uh, uh, come to have in these last three months for just the incredible talent within the branch. Um, our state court administrator and, the, and all of the people within his office, um, all of the folks within our finance uh, division, and you, I could go on and on. Um, and so that has been um, uh, an interesting part of the job and one that has made, uh, made it an enjoyable part of the job. And, and I guess, you know, the opportunity again to, to uh, and also I should say, to work with my colleagues who, who I so respect, um, who have supported me the last three months in everything that I've done. And even though we, we have a new relationship with one another, yeah. Um, but that's been enjoyable as well. So, uh, but it's just seeing the talent across the state, and and obviously the talent with it, with our within our the judicial branch as a whole, with our district court judges, who are really the the heart and soul in many ways of yeah. our judicial branch. So, for sure. For being sure. able to watch that work and, and work with those individuals has been has been fantastic. Natalie Hudson, the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, we appreciate the time. We hope uh, we can visit again, talk about other issues. I hope the court. so too. Thank you so much, Jason, for having me on. I appreciate it. Thank you, and you take care. Thanks, Natalie. Three fifty one, CCO continues next. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.